Uh, hi, Lucy. Just before we start this podcast, just had a quick question. Um, do you have any cannabinoids that you're interested in? Well, it's funny you should ask me that, Mick. Uh, yes, I do. I happen to partake in some cold-pressed chewy gummies. What I look for in a CBD gummy is they have to be 100% natural, use real fruit flavours, they're suitable for vegans, full of omega oils, rich in vitamins B, C and D. Is that what yours do? They taste really nice as well. Oh. And I don't cry as much, I don't think. Well, that's a bonus. And where could, uh, where could I find these? You could go to cold-pressed.io as long as you're over 18. And if our lovely listeners were so inclined, is there a discount code that they could use perhaps at checkout? Well, coincidentally, yes, there is, Mick. You just have to type in sleeve 10 and you'll get 10% off your order. 10%? All they've got to do is just type that in. What a wonderful news. Thanks for sponsoring this episode of How Much for a Sleeve. How Much for a Sleeve! Hello, you are listening to How Much for a Sleeve, a podcast about tattooing hosted by an actual tattooist. Dave Grohl. And an actual knob, Mick Tickner. <laughs> I wish I was Dave Grohl. It's episode five. It's your boy, Bob Tyrell. He's great, isn't he? Bob Tyrell. Yeah, that was amazing to catch up with him. He he made it so easy, didn't he? Yeah, because I was shitting myself because <laughs> <laughs> I thought he'd go like, who's this geezer here? He doesn't even, he doesn't know his nipples from his elastic bands or anything like that but he was really lovely to me and made me feel 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 nice so yeah he was easy to talk to <laughs> wasn't he and he and obviously you you go into a bit on there but he was very kind to you early on in your in your career and little things like that just are so lovely when you hear them and then you know when things go on and you've had the career you're you're having as well who knows that little little bit of kindness from him could have popped you on a couple of months and got you where you are now a bit quicker so good on yeah. him Lovely. he yeah i'll never forget his niceness back in the day and yeah he's a nice man and um a nice just a nice man nice man to have on yeah yeah super interesting all the all the old stuff as well and talking about all the, the you know the techniques and the stuff that he's done and what he changed and what we now think sort of is quite everyday he started some of that with yeah. shading and things so that's it and it's nice for him to go into and give away some of his secrets as well like a lot of people would just be like oh you know this is how I do it but he really just goes into goes into his the secrets of his success as it mm. were but yeah it's nice it was just like a really nice chat wasn't it I felt like we could have just been sat in the pub and exactly and that's how it was those are the best so, ones definitely so what Definitely. else what else have you been up to? What this week has just gone so fast. I feel like life is speeding up. The closer it gets to going back to work, the faster life goes. And I should probably really start thinking about work prep, but I've just been busy. And I do some volunteering. So that takes up a couple of days, one or two days. Tell us about that. What do you do um, and where? So there's a place in Bury, the town I live, Bury St Edmunds, and it's called Community Workshop. And part of it is a print shop. So anybody that needs prints, they're so reasonably priced. Um, but the other part of it is like a, it's like an art studio. 
and people with learning disabilities go in and on a Monday we have a music day so it's great we just all get to choose songs and we have loads of percussion and sit there and bang on drums so that's nice <laughs> that's nice good for you to give so that's back. that's good yeah just trying to spend a couple of days there a week before I go back and then I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna keep going when we're back at work or just awesome. have to make some time and just on going back to work are you what what's there to do to book people in again or are you worried that the 12th or is it April the 12th is return to back to school is just gonna slip a bit well I was holding off because last time they said oh it'll be this date and then it wasn't yeah so but I see a lot of tattooists booking people in now so I think maybe I should just go back and I've got well I've got three months of people to reschedule so I have it I have quite a good system I use an online booking system so I can get it rescheduled quite easily but just need to go through the diary and try and rebook some guest spots and things before I actually open it up yeah admin admin ladmin a couple of stellas while you do it Lolman. um should we get yeah, him on? probably no one wants to listen to us we got all this chat with bob tyrell yeah absolutely so this is episode five how much for a sleeve with bob tyrell how much for a sleeve today we had the amazing bob tyrell thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me I know it's so awesome and um so like we we're just saying so nice to see you again although looking a bit different we're just commenting on your enormous new beard <laughs> <laughs> Mick yeah. tries to grow it like that and it would take him about 40 years I reckon we'd need we'd need at least yeah probably 40 worldwide pandemics for me to get anywhere near you know what have you got there a good six or eight inches growth I'll, i reckon that I, I could do i could do that in 40 years yeah that's a fair, <laughs> fair estimate man this, this is almost a year for this thing but uh um i can't grow hair on top of my head but uh i can definitely grow it on my chin so i'm in this i'm in this i'm in the same group so i'll try it next time i see you hopefully uh it won't be in 40 years we'll see how my beard is then there's a challenge yeah. <laughs> How's um how's your pandemic been? Have you done much tattooing? Yeah, um, you know, I've been um kind of fucking off a lot, you know. Like I uh I could be tattooing more, but um, you know, during you know, when they uh, shut tattooing down last March, you know, um I wasn't tattooing much, you know, but I was maybe doing a little thing here and there on a friend or something, but uh but I pretty much stopped until uh, June, the middle of June um they opened shops back up so that's when i started back full time but even last summer it was such a nice summer weather-wise that uh you know i just um just made enough to pay my bills and really just sat outside enjoyed the summer i love being outside you know and sitting on my deck and drinking coffee and reading magazines you know and um and i had an apartment in west hollywood i had that for about four and a half years and i moved out of there in may because i was paying two grand a month for a one bedroom apartment, which is like 24 grand a year. And I'm only there like, you know, four or five months out of the year at best. And, um, you know, it was, but it was, uh, I had a blast for four and a half years, but it, I figured with the pandemic, you know, and I was getting ready to go back there last April, the pandemic hit. So I didn't go back and, uh, and then summer's coming and I always spend my, pretty much my entire summer in Detroit because it's so nice here in the summer. And so I'm like, this might be a good time to move out of there because I'm not going to be out there much. And it's such a, a waste of money, you know, and I was, I was broke, you know, but I was, um, 
you know, just, I had an apartment a, a mile from the Sunset Strip. So the Rainbow Bar and Grill is like the best rock bar on the planet, you know, and the Whiskey You Go Go and the Roxy Theater. It's all right there. Shamrock, Mark Mahoney's tattoo shops right across from the Rainbow. And uh, yeah, I just, I got my apartment as close as I could to there. And I'm just kind of, you know, paying all that money to just fucking have a blast. And Save so much I, money. I know, man. And I, you know, I, you know, barely got my bills paid and stuff, but I got by for four and a half years. And and I could have worked a lot more too. I was so much, so many concerts going on out there and stuff. So I, I was like not into it, having a blast, man. But uh, it was time to move out of there. So it's, uh, I'm back in Detroit full time. You uh, know, it's nice to be back. I mean, full time. It's been nice. One of my best memories, probably one of my best life memories is um in LA with you so I am so lucky to have a tattoo by Bob on my leg and I've got Uncle Festo and I was going I'd arranged a trip out to LA and then just happened to see that um that you had posted that you had some space and the dates I was there so I was like well I'll email because if you don't ask you don't get sent me an email do you fancy doing uh uncle fester and you replied and you were like yeah i do and i was like okay but how much is it going to cost because i'm an apprentice and i can't remember what you came back with and i went oh fuck i can't afford that <laughs> so so i said oh i'm sorry i am a lowly apprentice i can't afford it but is there any chance that you would consider letting me watch you for like half an hour at the time i really just wanted to get into portraits and you know, you're Bob Tyrell. <laughs> so, and um, you replied and you said, well, how much do you want to pay? Well, how much could you afford? And I said, um, I said, well, I could do 650, which I knew was like really cheeky because it was pretty cheap. And you said, well, tell you what, give me $600 and then we can hang out. You can watch me do a portrait or a tattoo and, um, and yeah, we'll hang out. And that's what happened. So I came to, was it the Golden State? convention you were doing my leg and um which was intense as it is because there were so many people hanging around and watching you tattoo and I'm having to lay there and I hate getting tattooed I hate it and I'm like laying there like fuck <laughs> this hurts so much <laughs> everyone's over you you're trying to look like it's like it's not hurting that bad or whatever yeah exactly <laughs> like this is nothing this is fine I'm having the best time of my life and inside I'm like oh my god <laughs> it's only been half an hour because <laughs> it was slow Bob the slow Bob six seven eight hours or something I think you did it pretty quick to be honest I think because you were like the last person tattooing at the convention and they were everyone was cleaning up around and you were like shit I've really got to finish this and I think it only took about six hours in the end so I was lucky okay not bad for me it's good actually yeah i think i've been slower since then <laughs> like i don't know what that is but just old age i don't know getting old, brain slowing down i don't know what's going on but <clears throat> well then because i so then i came to you were working at shamrock so then i came to shamrock and watched you do a dog portrait and i think you started at like seven and then finished at maybe 2 a.m and because shamrock is opposite um the rainbow then we went over to the rainbow and had some drinks there and we're chatting and then oh do you remember we saw uh walt jr from breaking bad 
Oh yeah. At the rainbow, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we went up to Mel's drive-in and had a French toast at like 4 a.m. And it was just the best. It's one of my happiest memories. It was, was so was great. Was this all in one day? Yeah. Well, no, I got tattooed one day and then went to Shamrock the next day or the day after but or something. Even so, it's, it sounds like you like won a competition. Like, I know. Win a, <laughs> win a, win a Bob Tyrell experience for the whole weekend. Get tattooed <laughs> by you. Come and have a, come and have some whiskey and some beer and we'll see what celebrities we bump into. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's got to end up at the rainbow if we're out in Hollywood. Yeah. I got to get back out that place. Yeah, I miss it. It is the greatest. And I think the thing that was so, the best thing was that you were this, you're so well known. Everybody knows who you are. And I was just this apprentice. I'd just been starting out and you were just so nice. Whereas it's so common for tattooists to be a bit like, oh, who are you? Or I don't want to give away my secrets and stuff. And you were so friendly and welcoming and it was just great. So thank you so much. It was, and I have the fucking best tattoo. It's amazing. My favorite. <laughs> right on, man. I was excited about doing Uncle Fester. I hadn't done one before. So yeah. That... That's what swung it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, where do you tattoo when you're in Detroit? Have you got a shop? No, you know, I um, I kind of bounce around. My buddy, Marshall Bennett, owns Eternal Tattoos here. Um, that's the shop I apprenticed in. Um, a guy named uh, Tramp is his nickname. We all know him as Terry Welker. He puts on the Motor City Tattoo Expo as well. But uh, he owns Eternal Tattoos. And um, he had five shops. Like when I... I apprenticed back in 1997 and, uh, and then, um, my buddy Marshall Bennett, we worked together in the, the shop on the East side of Detroit here, the eternal. And then, um, I worked there for like six years and then I had left and opened a private studio for two years. And then I was, uh, I had a girlfriend in Toronto for three years. So it's kind of like all over the place and, um, always had my house here in Detroit, but, uh, and I was doing a zillion conventions, 15 to 20 conventions a year. So I was, uh, and then in Toronto majority of the time, coming back here sometimes, you know, anyway, um, Marshall Bennett ended up buying the East side eternal tattoo shop here. And, uh, so I, um, you know, I worked there through kind of guest spots there. Um, my friends have another tattoo shop, 13th hour here, you know, I would do a guest spot there every once in a while and just kind of bouncing around, you know, but I, I haven't traveled anywhere at all, except to move out of my apartment last May. And uh, I've just been staying put in Detroit, and it's uh, it's been nice being home, you know. And I'm I'm not missing conventions at all as far as trying to tattoo at them, but uh, but I miss conventions to see my friends, you know, and hang out, and at nighttime going to bar and hanging out and stuff. So that's what I miss seeing my friends. So I'm in yeah. a hurry again, but um, but I I'm excited to get back out there again whenever it's cool to do so. You know this pandemic things you know it sucks i mean the worst thing for me is no concerts you know that's i always yes. told people life around concerts and i go to more concerts than anybody i know still do still did until a year ago and i'm as soon as there uh people are touring again you know i'm gonna i'll be back going to concerts full time 
but uh it's just it's that's the thing that really fucking blows you know it's really taken away all the good things of life hasn't it seeing friends going to the pub going to gigs and tattooing and you guys are still on pretty heavy lockdown aren't you as far as pubs being closed and stuff yeah so we we were closed from march until july we were tattooing able to tattoo from the middle of july till november and we had a month off in november and then a month working again in december and we've been on a full lockdown since the day after christmas day so no non-essential shops no pubs bars um hairdressers tattoo studios and they've said that hopefully we can go back after the 12th of april um but we believe it when we see it it's just it's been crazy I'm, our bar is open back up here february 1st um so right now it's uh uh they got a 10 p.m curfew bars usually open till 2 a.m so but there's uh, my favorite local dive um they'll stay open a little later they kind of would lock the doors and just let some regulars hang out and stuff and there's another bar just saturday night when um i was at my favorite bar they closed at like midnight and so a couple of friends were going to this bar called goodfellas and it's 10 minutes from my house here and uh we went there at midnight and they're open till 2 a.m it was packed and uh like one person there was a hundred people in there maybe one person wore a mask that i saw you know um so That's it was crazy. just like you know pandemics doesn't exist in this bar and uh i'm like this is awesome you know but uh i mean I, you know i, I want to be careful and stuff and i'm you know i'm being pretty careful about wearing masks and stuff like that but uh you know go you go to the bar in a restaurant you can you got to wear your mask through the door you can sit out at the bar sit down at the table take your mask off and and it's um you know it's at least we have some sense of normalcy here as far as being able to go to the bar and hang out. And when I'm there, I feel like it, you know, a year ago before the pandemic and it feels good. So at least we have that. Actually, I had my first concert this Saturday. Um, this singer, Tim Ripper Owens, um, heavy metal singer. He sang in Judas Priest for 12 years when Rob Halford had left. Oh, cool. Then, so he sang with them. Um, a few people in Iced Earth and uh, the Dio Disciples, which was members of Ronnie James Dio's band with the uh, different singers. And Ripper was one of those guys. He's really one of the best heavy metal singers out there in the world, you know. So he's playing a show in Detroit. He's doing a, like maybe four or five one-off shows. He's, he's from Cleveland. He lives in Cleveland. So he's doing one in Detroit. And it's kind of weird, but he's having um, each city he's playing in, he's have his agent is kind of like a, getting this band of local musicians together to be his backing band for each city. So my buddy, I played a band. We're doing like a Black Sabbath tribute. And then we do just just a bunch of cool covers, kind of a covers band. Uh, my other guitarist in that band um, got this gig with Ripper. So he's playing Saturday. Um, so it's an actual concert. Like, you know, they were doing 25% capacity. Because that bar holds 400, so they sold 100 tickets, sold out. Um, and then the show's from 8 to 9.30, you know, with the 10 o'clock curfew. But the governor just announced it Friday, um, extending capacity to 50%, and the curfew is 11 p.m. now. <clears throat> so Saturday, I guess they could probably sell another 100 tickets for that show. And stuff. But, uh, but that's, 
an actual legitimate concert, but I'm going to first concert since March 13th for me. So uh, that'll be cool. Wow. wow, that'd be so nice. Just a bit of normality. You know, because bands won't be touring until next year at best. You know, so that, but there are one-off shows going on and stuff. And there's band, they're friends of mine, Blackberry Smoke from Atlanta, Georgia. I they're love doing... Blackberry Smoke so yeah. much. Yeah, I love them. In England a lot. They love England. You know? Yeah, I've seen them a, a whole bunch of times. They did a meet and greet at a festival and met them there. And yeah, I love that band. Oh, Charlie Starr. Charlie Rules, one of my favorite guitarists of the new millennium you know and they're the real deal they're like a real southern rock band like like the leonard skinner of, of this generation you know they're uh they're just they got a new album coming out um i heard the the, the first singles out it's called um something georgia i forget um it's the name of the album as well but that's coming out at the end of may but you can hear the song and my buddy nick was talking to our friend Britt, the drummer in the band he said this is our best album yet, man. And almost every album that comes out, it seems like it's their best album yet. You know, they're uh, they've been consistently putting out just top-notch fucking albums, man. And and Britt, for him to say he thinks this one's the best, yeah, that's saying a lot. So uh, I'm super excited. But they're playing a few shows in um April in Florida. Yeah, they just announced a new show, I think in July this summer, somewhere in New York State. So, and they did go out last fall and play a few parking lot gigs that they were doing, like drive-in, not parking lot gigs, drive-in shows. And one was in a park and it's social distance. You park your car and you can, up to six people could be in a car and you have a space, you can sit outside in lawn chairs, you know, and um, so they're doing doing that. So, uh, so there's stuff like that. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping this summer it's, it's getting a little better with vaccines now. I'm hoping there'll be a little more of that, these one-off shows. There'll be no touring bands because, you know, so many places they won't be able to play. And they, I know bands can't afford to get on a tour bus and go around and play, you know, for half capacity and stuff. But. Yeah, there's there's loads of logistic issues, I bet, about traveling between, even between states and definitely between countries, especially in Europe. That sort of wipes that out and makes it yeah. profitable. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, we, Me and my girlfriend, book some tickets for uh for a gig in in england so it's not till september so fingers crossed but we bought some tickets and it's nice to you know know that there's something have a to look, plan to look forward to because we haven't had anything you know so that's that's cool oh, and, uh, you know there's shows festivals that are still scheduled in like england this summer yeah and, uh, Pearl scheduled you know they're supposed to play hyde park like in july or something and it's they haven't been cancelled yet, but I'm sure those will be cancelled. You know, oh, those big yeah. festival gigs. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's, yeah. there's, there's no way they'll be able to do that. While, while we're still, got, we have a, th- a thing. I don't know if you had it in the US, which is a, a rule of six, where you can only have six people in a group. So I don't know how you do a seventy thousand people in a field. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by next summer, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, we'll, 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 the vaccine will at least have taken its way through everyone by then by the well by the end of this summer we hope so i don't see why we'll have any problems next summer but it's just it's something that's always been on the horizon you know like oh we'll be out of this by spring and then we'll have all the fun stuff in the summer and then you're like 
come on let's be sensible we might not have to, do it, have <laughs> yeah. to sit down for a little bit a little bit yeah <laughs> right. patiently await i was gonna say if you like blackberry smoke you might like a band called cadillac three they do like pretty similar sort of country country rock stuff i um i've been meaning to check them out because I've, I've read about them and um you know, classic rock magazine from the UK, from England. Uh, that's my favorite, probably my favorite magazine, period. And I got to have a subscription. Um, so we get them a little later, you know, like a month later or whatever. Um, but I've been buying that magazine for years. And I've seen two or three articles on Cadillac 3 in there. And I'm like, I got to check them out. And I keep forgetting. So you just reminded me again. So let's <laughs> check them out. Listen to that, like the first albums like Tennessee Mojo and I think the next one is Bury Me in My Boots I think they're the best they just brought out another album and it's really like bluesy and sort of a bit like funky I guess and I listened and I was like hmm don't know but the first couple are, are really really good so yeah a lot a lot closer to Blackberry Smoke so yeah I think you probably probably like them I'll definitely like them I'm a southern rock fanatic so I always say Leonard Skinner is my favorite band, you know, but uh, I mean, honestly, there's so many bands. It's like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Van Halen. It's hard to name one band, but I, if someone asked me, I got, can only name one band, and I usually say Leonard Skinner. So. I remember listening to Free Bird when, um, when you were tattooing. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't writing notes, I swear. I was just like, you know, like your memory, memorized. <laughs> You just keep a really, really accurate diary. Yeah. At 9.15, Bob's blown his nose. Uh, 9.16, he's just picked up a nine mag. 9.17, I've gone for a wee. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, I maybe did it in like five minute increments instead, not a minute. (laughs) I have the absolute worst you know you know like everyone says that but mine really is but i you know i might be getting alzheimer's or something who knows but uh my memory's fucked are you trying to say that you don't remember me (laughs) i remember you how could i forget how could you forget (laughs) have you got any plans to go back to la then like you know when stuff sort of settles down I'm going to go back before the summer, I think. Um, I'm actually going to Florida in April. My girlfriend, uh, I'm going to visit her family down there. And uh, going for like a week, so that'll be cool. And uh, I hear they're really, the restrictions are real, uh, hardly there anymore. And a friend of mine's down there doing construction right now. He's from here. And he said he's going to the bars and it's out, outdoor bars and stuff. And he said they're packed. There's bands playing. No one's wearing masks, you know. And uh, Florida's kind of like that. I know Texas are they're dropping the mask mandate. Um, my girlfriend said they're dropping it. The governor said they're dropping it here at the end of March. I haven't heard that yet, but uh, it's kind of hard to believe, you know, if they are here because it's been pretty strict in Michigan. So it's getting, you know, things are changing a bit. And if the numbers keep going down and staying down, it will slowly get better and with the vaccine and all that. So, but um. But yeah, I do want to go to LA and uh, I don't know, maybe early May or something. Because when it starts getting nice here, I like to stay here. But uh, I got to go back just to go to the fucking rainbow, you know? Oh, my favorite place. Yeah. I miss everybody there. And, you know, 
I was going there so much I became a regular there. And so I just said friends with everybody there. And I really miss all my LA friends, man. Do you always work at Shamrock when you go back? I was working there one day a week and, uh, and I was working at, you know, Big Gus. I was working at his shop. Um, he's out in, he was out in Garden Grove. So it's about a 45 minute drive from LA with no traffic. But driving there every day, it took me like an hour and 15 minutes, maybe. And I was working at a Nico Hurtado's second shop in Hollywood. That was like a mile and a half from my apartment. So I worked there a bit. Um, pretty much those three places. I, I was working at Timeline Gallery, Carlos Torres' shop, before they moved to, uh, that was in San Pedro. And then Carlos, they closed that down and Carlos opened a shop in Long Beach called uh, The Raven and the Wolves. So, and I still haven't even seen that place. So next time I get out there, I'm going to try to get out there and see those guys, maybe work there for a day or something. But uh, so I was kind of bouncing around in LA. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to mix up a bit and, and see different shops and not like, it's such a social thing, isn't it? Tattooing. So make the most of being able to see friends on different days and that. Yeah. Just bounce around and yeah, just work at different friend shops. So I can see everybody. ST Tattoo in Venice. That's another shop. My buddy Jason Brown owns that shop. So I was working there a bit every once in a while. So what about you? You haven't, you haven't been tattooing? Well, yeah, like I, so I haven't, ta I t was able to tattoo in December and I had a few travel plans, but it's like, I was lucky enough to be in New York last February doing a guest spot at Daredevil. And then when we came back, we, yeah, we pretty quickly went into the lockdown and I had a few guest spots, but just like local um, London really, which have been postponed and just trying to rebook them now. But <clears throat> I am like, I have itchy feet. As soon as we can travel again, I just want to come straight out to LA or back to New York. And I'm like craving, craving the sunshine. Yeah. It's sunny today. It's like 52 degrees and uh, like sunny. It was, uh, it was 60 degrees the other day, which would be about 15 Celsius, something like that. Oh, okay. That's nice. It's been starting to warm up. Springs on the way. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um. So I suppose I should probably talk to you about tattooing. I think you oh, might yeah. want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when when did you start tattooing? I started in 1997. I was 34 years old, so I kind of got a late start, you know. Um, but I was uh. And I didn't get my first tattoo till right before I turned 30. I had wanted a tattoo since I was like 19. And I'm, I actually used to go into tattoo shops every couple of years throughout my 20s. And I thought I had to pick something off the wall, you know, and I never saw anything I liked. And nobody in the shop ever me in the right direction or said, hey, we, you know, we, we can do custom work, too. You don't have to pick it off the wall. And, you know, I was just going in the wrong shops pretty much, you know, just a little, you know, not the best shops around. But anyway... I finally got my first tattoo. I got hooked like everybody. And then I, um, after getting my upper arms done, I discovered tattoo magazines and saw an article on Paul Booth real early on. I'm like, holy shit, that's exactly the stuff I'm looking for. I'm a huge horror fan. So I got a hold of Paul and went out and I got an entire back piece two days in a row. And um, that was wow. back in 
93. That was like four years before I even started. I went back out in 94, got my left sleeve from Paul. And then Mario Barth ended up doing my right sleeve. And in all this time, I had, uh, my ex-wife suggested I started drawing again after I started to get my, those first tattoos because I hadn't drawn anything, did any kind of art since high school, since I was like 18. So getting tattooed kind of gave me the itch to start drawing. And my ex-wife goes, you should take a art class, community college at night. I had a day job making kitchen countertops for 15 years when I was like 19 till 34 when I started tattooing. But I took that basic drawing one class and it like fell in love with drawing again. And I was this drawn every night and doing started doing these big charcoal portraits, you know, like old black and white horror movie stuff. And uh, and after about three years, you know, I'm like, I had full sleeves, full back piece. And I was thinking about tattooing more and more each year, you know, and at first it seemed kind of like, like, I don't know, like unreachable or something. Like, I don't know if I could do it. But then after three years, I'm like, all right, I have to learn how to tattoo. And I, I got some encouragement from like Paul Booth and Mario Barth and stuff. And uh, I got, did a quick three-month apprenticeship and started full-time. You know, I did like six tattoos and then started full-time. And uh, it's just the best thing I ever did, you know. And it's uh, it's been a change my life in my mid-30s, you know. Pretty, I'm feeling lucky that I started at all, you know. It was, God, can you imagine getting encouraged by Paul Booth? You'd be like, okay, I'm going to start right now. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, it's just been amazing ever since. Wow. And you've, like, you've made quite a career out of it. I think there's hardly a tattooist in the world who who doesn't know who you are. Like, it must be quite a lot. Do you, are you conscious of that, of that sort of, like, fame, I guess? Or does it affect you at all? it trips me out, you know, and like when I started tattooing, I, I just wanted to hopefully become a good tattoo artist, you know, and I never thought about, you know, being, getting out there and, you know, people know you around the world and stuff like that's crazy, you know, and, um, and, you know, like if I started tattooing now, like nobody would know who I was, you know, there's so many good, amazing portrait artists out there and stuff is just hundreds and thousands of them and when i like when i started and tom renshaw like he was working at eternal tattoos and in 1997 like he was the best black and gray portrait tattooer in the world and you could ask Tintin or maybe anybody around the world and they would probably say philip lou they'll be like tom renshaw is the best in the world you know paul booth would tell you that you know as far as black and gray portraits realism so uh Tom was working at Eternal Tattoos in the main shop where I apprenticed. So he just happened to be working there, like, you know, when I was apprenticing. And so Tom, he knew I wanted to get into portraits, black and gray. So he, Tom, like, took me under his wing and went out of his way to, to teach me. And he became my teacher. And I learned from everybody in that shop. Jay Wheeler was working there. Um, and uh, just every, everybody in the shop helped me out. But Tom was really like went out of his way and spent hours with me, just talking to me about stuff. Tom's told me this over the years, like after three or four years, I got some magazine articles and that really is what got me out there. And uh, that's one thing Tom told me, you know, when, when you feel ready, start sending stuff to magazines because uh, that was the only source for people around the world to see artists. There was no, we didn't have, internet yet no websites no nothing let alone social media so um and 
Tom always said, you know, he goes, you just snuck in there is one of the few black and gray portrait guys out there in the world. And you just got in there before this huge boom, you know, and he's right, you know, cause there was, but I finally, when I started getting out there in magazines and stuff and um, around the world and all that, there was, there was probably six, seven, maybe 10 portrait, black and gray portrait artists that were known around the world that were like specialized in that and, and really known for, for that style, probably 10. 10 artists I could name back then. You know, there was Jack Rudy, Brian Everett from the States, and then Tom Renshaw came along. There was Tim Tin in France, Darren Stairs in England. Philip Lou was doing amazing portraits back then. Guy Aitchison was actually doing good, good portraits. Carrie Barba in the States back then was doing killer portraits. Uh, Paul Booth was doing killer portraits back then. So there's nine. Uh, Jay Wheeler from Detroit, who's was just about as good as Tom Renshaw. And he wasn't as well known because he was a little more low key. Um, so there's 10, there's more, you know, there's definitely, a, this was probably, there was maybe 15 or something, but now there's 15,000, you know? So, and, and that's the only reason I'm, I'm, I guess people know me as they do now was because I got in there before this crazy boom. Yeah. Did you, when you started, tattooing did you always know you wanted to do portraits yeah before I even started my apprenticeship I knew because I was for three years I was doing all these black and white charcoal portraits and stuff pencil and stuff and I knew I wanted to if I got into tattooing I eventually would want to specialize in all black and gray portraits and Paul Booth style horror stuff you know and it's those two black and gray realism and Paul Blue style horror, you know, and then that's after about three years, um, I, you know, after a year I was doing a lot of that stuff. After two years, I was doing probably 80% black and gray portraits horror. And then after about three years, it was, I kind of phased out the color completely because I, I did a ton of color when I started doing walk-ins and all that stuff. <clears throat> but after three years, I, I got to do exactly what I was hoping I'd be able to do all the time, you know, so I've been really that's lucky dream yeah so it's uh been doing the same thing ever since you know that's all and, I do all... <laughs> and that practice definitely pays off like <laughs> how do you get your shading so smooth obviously like there's a hell of a lot of talent but do you have any tips that you can give to anybody who wanted to get into that style or anything you could advise you know um magnums as far as needles for soft black and gray you know, and, uh, and black ink mixed with water, you know, and that's, so like my first 11 years, I remember at least I used, um, it was Pelican drawing ink back then. And when I started, that's what everybody was using. Like all the portrait guys, Tom Renshaw, who probably got, got it from Brian Everett and Jack Rudy. Um, and everybody was using Pelican. That was like the, the choice for like, black and gray back then. Paul Booth started using Pelican and he had switched to Talons. Paul Booth, I remember when he was, I think he did my back, my back piece with Pelican. And when he tattooed me six months later, my left sleeve, he was using Talons then. Um, but back then we just used, I used three of the, the bigger ink cups. And um, the first cup was solid black Pelican. Second cup was half Pelican, half water. And the third cup was straight 
distilled water. And that's, I did everything with that, you know, but, and then there's guys like Robert Hernandez and Jack Rudy who have a cup of black and a big cup of water. And they do everything with that, which sounds really hard to do, but it's, it's all how you dip, you know? And back when I used Pelican, you know, that's, it's just, you know, it's just how you dip and you can get every shade. I don't know how many, there could be 12 shades from black to straight water, you know, and it's just how you dip and you just feel it out. It's, I picked it up instantly, you know, so what, it's not really that hard to learn. You just got to do a few tattoos and you'll you get the hang of it. But now I have my, uh, my intense Bob Tyrell set. I've been using that for the second, the first version was a little dark. Going back and completely redoing the formula, so it's a whole new formula. I've been using that for like seven years straight now. And a lot of people ask me because uh, when my first set was out, I was kind of not using it all the time. I was going back and using Pelican for like portraits and stuff. But uh, but now I'm using it. I've done every single tattoo for the last seven years with my second newest set within ten. So anybody out there who doesn't believe it, I've had people leave messages of, are you really using your ink you know come on really <laughs> uh, so there's a little plug for me shameless plug but um but i do love my my inks that i have now but well, as far as, wish if I you've used them for seven it. years <laughs> yeah. but it's hard to like how do you get it smooth you know it's just um i work slow you know and there's a lot of layering and i'm slowly i'm brushing it in and uh you know, and even with my set, because I have like a dark, medium and light tone, when I'm going in between, I, I may, you know, I'll dip into two tones at the same time. I'll dip into dark and dip into medium at the same time to get those in-between tones. You know, you can't just use those cups and just dip into one. Then, okay, we need a medium tone. Don't dip into the next. You got to get those in-between tones. And the dipping, it's just, uh, you know, you got to just, just, uh, do it learn on your own but you know yeah. i guess one of the keys is yeah to uh don't forget to dip in two cups at the same time you know say you're going from you're shading from a dark to medium to light you know you may do just the dark tone which it's pretty dark my dark gray in my set and then when i want to blend into a medium maybe you may run it you know in the dark tone and then run it in the medium tone together and then make it to a point where I just do a quick dip in the dark tone and then run it, run the machine, like just dip it in the dark tone without running the machine and then dip it in the medium tone and run it for a second and so on, you know, and then you, you know, it just, it's, uh, it's not very hard to do to get soft lens. And some people are afraid to, to go too dark. I know if when, if I, somebody who just started tattooing wants me to critique something, if I'm in a convention or something and, I think I see more times than not as stuff that's just not dark enough and where they're shading the whole face out with like you could tell they used one tone of gray and you got to get that depth in there and you really you try if it's a portrait you really would just want to copy the picture and you're trying to be you know like a human Xerox machine and what you see in the picture try to do in the tattoo and some portraits have if they have a light source hitting from one side it's going to be darker on the other side and sometimes it's like in the picture, it's just the other side, there's like a shadow or whatever, and it's black. If it looks black in the picture, I tell tattooers, use solid black in that area that needs it. You know, and I think I've seen a lot of artists that don't have doing like a 
a gray tone that's darker than the other side, the light side, but it's still way too light. It should be just solid black, you know. So I always tell people, yeah, don't be afraid of black. At the same time, if you're not sure, you know, tattooing lighter than darker is better if you're in the learning stages. Because you can always go back and darken something up. But if you go too dark, you're stuck with it. You can go back and lighten it up. So I guess that's my advice to a, a, a younger tattooer who's just starting out and, you know, learning how to do black and gray right now. That's good, good advice. If you had, say you had like a, a normal hand size portrait, black and gray, obviously portrait come in, what would be your normal setup? Like what machines and what needles do you use? So now that I'm using rotaries, um, I've been using, uh, I switched from coil machines about six, I think it's almost six years now. So I started off right away with, with Cheyenne Conrad and he used to do like 40 some conventions a year. He was like their, uh, their rep, you know, went out there and, and did conventions. And, but probably a, a few years, we were like drinking buddies at conventions. We're in, you know, Copenhagen or London or somewhere in the States here, Toronto. And um, so he never really talked about his machine he never like pushed it on me like a lot of reps do the first thing I want to talk about is hey man so you gotta try out my product we were just drinking buddies at, at conventions at night you know um so my friend Tommy Lee Wentner and my friend Derek Baker from Cape Town South Africa they were both trying to get me to try out the Cheyenne pen that was fairly new the pen had just come out and so I finally tried it and uh and I liked it you know, and um, that was in Copenhagen. And then a month later, we were in Toronto and Conrad was there and he brought a machine over and he said, hey, man, if you want to try this out, you know, um, let me know. And if you really like it, you know, you can have it. So I did my first full tattoo with it at the Toronto show on that Friday. And I, I fell in love with it, man. And, uh, you know, halfway through, I, I had it down. There wasn't really much of a learning curve even though it felt a lot different than my soft hitting coil machines for that I use for black and gray. So it, it has more of a direct hit. It feels like it's putting it in harder, but it's not. You still, I'm working the exact same way, my technique, brushing it in and I put it in nice and soft, you know, and I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with mostly the convenience of it, you know, and um, the cartridges, you know, cause I used to set up every tattoo I did up until that point, I would set up, a liner shader like a three liner and uh or a five liner if it's like a demon freehand thing or something the portraits instead of a three liner and a seven mag which they were bug pin hey man um it was a three liner and a seven mag shader in a five mag tube because they were bug pin needles so and i mean for like 11 years i used to make my own needles and i used to use double zero gauge bug pins so when I when they started making pre-made needles and I finally started switching over, I was getting them from worldwide needles. And the ones they told me that were similar to bug pins were they were like a 10 gauge instead of a 12 gauge. So that they were a little smaller. So those I had to use in a five mag tube, a stainless steel tube. And uh, the only two tubes I found that fit, because some were too tight, but Mickey Sharp's tubes in England and Blitz tubes in the States were the only two that they fit perfectly. So that's what I was using for two. So, and then when I started using the Cheyenne, it's like, 
you can set up five cartridges, you can set up eight cartridges if you want. And one machine does it all, you know, and um, I can never get, get the hang of using a bigger mag with coils. Yeah, I would try like an 11 mag and set up a third machine and I, I could just never get the hang of it. Maybe I, I didn't know much machines like, cause you definitely need a machine set up for a bigger mag than you do for like a seven mag. So I just stuck with a seven mag and a five mag tube to do a full back piece. Even if I was doing a back piece, I'd be part of the reason I was so freaking slow. You know, I was just going to say. <laughs> the Cheyenne pen, I fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, it's one machine for traveling. It's, I used to carry around, say, these big stainless steel one-inch grips. If I'm gone for two weeks, I got like an eight-pound bag of fucking tubes. You know, when you're traveling, you're trying to keep everything as lightweight as possible. And with this, it was like no weight, you know. And um, it's just, yeah, I'm still using it. I have to have one sitting right here. Oh, is that the same machine that would have done my Festa? Did I use it? Was I using a pen at that point? Yeah. Okay. And they have the new, you know, um, Soul Nova came out and then the Soul Nova Unlimited. So it's wireless. So that thing's amazing. Um, there's another one in the works that I'm not supposed to talk about yet. So, oh. but in rotaries now, and, um, you know, I've, I've heard good things about other pens that are out there. You know, so it's like, you know, but I've Cheyennes, I just started out with them and just kind of stuck with them. And uh, I love them, you know, Cheyenne cartridges. I still feel they're the best cartridges out there, you know. Um, but, you know, I encourage people to try everything, anything and everything, and then decide what's best for you. But, uh, but yeah. I've, I've, and I always said I was going to be loyal to the coil. And for a long time, I didn't change over. I'm like, no, nope, sticking with coils. And uh, Robert Hernandez is still using coils. He is definitely loyal to the coil. And I really admire him for that. But I, uh, I, I sold out like everybody else. You know, it's just uh, it's technology, you know, and it's, it's just convenience. If things it makes life easier, then why not? That's it. Exactly. My, is there anyone, are there any portraits that you want to do that you've not done yet? Man, a lot of people, ask, and um, I usually can't answer right away. Like, usually it's a musician that I'm a fan of. I'd love to do a portrait of Charlie Starr since we're talking about Blackberry Smoke or, or anybody. I like know who would have that. Next time <laughs> I bring my boyfriend to the States or you come over here, he will 100% have that from you. So save that one. All right, cool. Charlie will trip out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, any, any, or any good, like, cool, like, horror portrait, because I love horror, so to do a horror portrait, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. I could do horror and a portrait at the same time, so any cool image like that. Like, I'm not a Star Wars fan at all, and um, I think me and one of my friends are the only two people in the world I know that, that aren't Star Wars fans. Um, but I love, you don't like Star Wars either? No, no, it's not a fan. I just, when I try to watch it, we were at the bar the other night and they had it on. And I was watching it and reading the captions, you know, and stuff. And it's like, it was one of the first three. I think they said it might have been the third one from the 70s or early 80s, you know, and it's just, 
and I remember with like because I was a huge horror fan when I was a kid. So Star Wars came out in '77. I was uh, 13 or 14, and um, and I saw it, you know. And I, I'm like, this is kind of cheesy. It's it's kid stuff, you know. This is for eight year olds, you know. And at that age, I was more into like you know harder horror, you know. Um, I loved growing up with Exorcist and the stuff in the '70s. When I was even when I was, you know, seven years old, I liked The Exorcist, you know, because it was. Scary. That and the omen when that came out, I was uh, I don't know how old I was, I was you know, I was 10 years old, or maybe I was 12, even by that, I don't know. But I used to love movies like that, like horror movies with no comedy, you know what I mean? Because nowadays it's like you know, three quarters of the horror movies that come out, there's just always that comic relief in there, which I still love, like the Evil Dead movies, it's like a comedy slash horror. I love those movies. So so I do love that stuff. Anyway, but but yeah, getting back to Star Wars when it first came out, I'm like, ah, this is kind of cheesy, you know. But with that said, I love tattooing Star Wars imagery, you know. I, I've done Solo, I've done Luke Skywalker, uh, I've done Darth Vader twice. And um I do love, you know, it's just cool portrait stuff. So I do love tattooing that stuff. So um How but so when you must get a lot of emails from people wanting to get tattooed how do you decide like or choose between what you do so if you do star wars you like tattooing the imagery is that because you just the good reference pictures or how what goes into your decision making uh good reference pictures yeah yeah because usually a lot of those pictures from movies and from stuff like that you can find photos where they're like you know either professionally shot photos or or just really good stills from movies but i do the people do give me a lot of pictures that aren't good enough they find on the internet you know and it's a, a screenshot of a movie or something and so like i end up having to you know search myself a lot to help the client find a picture that's tattooable and that's you know how it is it's like you always say the better the picture the better the tattoo is going to be which is pretty much true so always want the best reference possible yeah so but that's what i look for is yeah just i look for a good lighting in a picture and um and just a good clear picture that you can print out that's going to be nice and clear i've done a lot of portraits of like somebody's kid or somebody's grandparent after they passed away and they only have you know they've only got a handful of pictures and none of them are very good. So you have to pick the best of the bad pictures. And if it's doable, I'll do them. But almost every time I do that and I still do what I printed out and I'm drawing the stencil, I'm like, man, I can't even see the lips. You know, I can't see the teeth. It's like, what did I get myself into? And then I, I do it. And it usually comes out better than the photo. And the client usually says, Oh, it's, better than my photo you know looks just like him or whatever so i'm like okay cool you know like i, I did my job you know yeah phew still i've been tattooing 24 years this summer and um that still comes you know, when i do that it's probably happened in a month or two or something i'm like you know hope this comes out okay you know like i'm never sure it's going to come out okay and it, it always does you know but I, i'm still not i don't sound okay you know this is going to be hard, but I know I can pull it off. I'm there's always something back in my mind going, Oh, I pulled this off, you know. 
they're doing portrait stuff like that. And it's, but it's hard. I mean, and they're not fun to do. Like I love doing portraits, but doing working from reference like that, it, it's work and it's, it's just total stress for me. It's not fun at all. And then in the end, it comes out and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Let's throw it on Instagram. You know, it's good enough to, to post on Instagram or whatever. Because everyone's, <laughs> am I going to be on Instagram? You know? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. That, we were we, talking about this the other day. <laughs> yeah. I hate that when it back your mind. It's like, well, this isn't one of my best tattoos, you know, because of the client's skin could be really bad. You know how that is. And, um, or it's bad reference or a combination of both, you know? Um, so, but I try to post everything I do, you know, the clients like it and stuff. Like, you know, I tell somebody, nah, I'm not going to post it. It's not, it's not good enough to post. I've never said that. <laughs> um, this is when we get you to agree to post about our podcast. Otherwise we're going to tell everybody that the tattoos you don't post, it's because you think they were crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a verbal contract now. You have to tell everyone about us. <laughs> um, I was watching the other day um, Ink Master and I thought like before chatting to you, I thought I knew that you had done um, a guest judge spot on an episode. So I went in and watched it and that show is so dramatic. And there was a guy on there who had a really... Well, a couple of people who had quite poor reference pictures. And is that really as dramatic in real life as it looks on TV? Not really. Not when I was there. And that was the second season. That was um that was before they really amped up the drama, you know. Yeah. But when I was there, like it, it was all real and you know, um and me and Chris Nunez, we were back in the the green room, or I guess if you call it. Um, and we were, they were all in the middle of their tattoos and, and I remember Chris saying, you know, it's like, you know, the portrait Tommy had stretched the image out a little bit. So when you put it on the skin and I've never done that before. And I, Benjamin Moss did that one time with a Jack Nicholson portrait from the shining on a girl's arm, she had super skinny forearms and, um, it worked for him, but Jesse didn't need to do that on this cause it was a thigh, you know, and Jesse, he wasn't a portrait guy. No, you um, see thought... the one who did the cartoons, the really cool new school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and uh, I thought his portrait wasn't that bad, you know. And part of it that, that I said when they were, you know, when we were judging and stuff, I commented on how bad the skin was and how red it got. You know, sometimes the skin can get like a really, not just super red, but super dark. Where light grays can look like dark grays, you know. Jesse was going through that with this tattoo, but nobody else even mentioned it. And I talked about it when we were judging, but they didn't, they edited that part out, you know. Because it didn't and, fit, the, fit the the story that they were trying to go with for the show. But Chris, remember, we were back there, he's going, man, I feel bad for Jesse because, you know, he's, because at this point they decided that um, whatever the worst tattoo is of that competition, they automatically get bumped. Like they could win every single competition mm -hmm. up to that point, and if they lose one, they're gone. And I don't think they were doing that in the first season. So, but that was like a new rule and stuff. And um, because Chris is like, you know, I want Jesse not to be the worst because Chris was saying I think Jesse could go all the way and win this thing, 
you know, and he just felt bad for him because he knew he was going to get kicked off that day. And it was a bummer. I felt bad for him because he, uh, he maybe should have won that. That whole He's a thing. good artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was one on that episode where I, th- I think his name was Sebastian. There's a t- tall black guy and he flipped the, the, the colors. So the background was dark yeah. or the other way around. What did you think when you saw that one? Yeah, there is like Chris Nunez mentioned how he um, Chris called it. He said he flipped the portrait, which yeah. meant he instead of doing a dark background against a light cheek, he made the cheek dark, darker to make that the edge and then did a, like a lighter background or whatever. And um, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done a, the opposite, like what Chris was saying. But it didn't look that bad, you know. Um, I thought it was, it worked. Like, because you, you have the, the option as an artist to, to uh, make that call, you know. And um, I've done that actually before in a portrait where I did a darker, I did a darker edge, you know, and, but without changing the likeness of the portrait too much. So, but yeah, it wasn't as bad to me when I saw it as it was to Chris. Uh, so I don't think it was that big of a deal, but, uh, but I would have done it like differently, you know, but yeah, just, you know, you amp up the drama. That, that's all for. Yeah. I find it quite funny when, when you're watching it and they're, they're all up in that loft and they're living together and there's just beef with everyone. Everyone, everyone hates everyone. And, you know, they probably get on fine, but for those 20 seconds where they're having a row, that's the 20 second that they, that they show. And uh, yeah, it's just just like, like all of those reality task-based TV shows. They they do love to put a bit of drama in. I think maybe the production company are just sowing a couple of seeds of things into people to get people angry, and then they go upstairs and have a row. And hopefully they <laughs> hopefully a cup goes across the room, and that's good telly. So you, know, you can't you can't even be cross with them. That's exactly what's going on, you know. Um, and it's you know you just got to accept it like it's. It's not totally real, you know. A lot of it is real, but all that drama and fighting and stuff, it, we're not like that as tattooers. We all like each other, you know. It was one thing, I, I, I did the same thing. I was on um, on London Inc. That was a blast. Louis Malloy was like the head guy. Um, yeah. Dan, um, Dan Gold, you know, and, um, and um, Phil. Yeah, Phil Coe. Yes. Yeah. God, my brain. I haven't seen them in years now, but it's like my brain's not working. But they were good friends. And back then, we were like really good friends. I used to see them a lot when I used to do the London show every year and stuff. And Louis Malloy, I went and did a guest spot at a shop in Manchester one time and had a blast. And, um, but we had, but I, when I did that show, we had a blast. But there was one, the producer, whoever came up, while they were filming and they set up this scene where I'm doing a, this portrait of a dog, a Husky dog. And Louie was doing something else. I forget what it was. And, uh, and they were making it look like, like where it's a competition. So you can do the better tattoo or something. Of course it wasn't, you know? And uh, so I set up, did my setup. I was using coil machines and stuff and got everything set up. And then the, the producer guy came over and goes, Hey, would you mind grabbing your machine and picking it up and blowing on it like so he's like hold it up like a gun and go 
and set it back down like i'm gonna smoke louis on this tattoo you know and i'm like no nah, i can't do that man you know and i just I just was myself. I, you know, that, that was about it. They didn't really encourage me to say shit that, that I didn't mean, but, but that was one thing, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do that in real life. You know, I ain't fucking doing it away. Damn, we were going to ask you to do that for a, a clip as well. So That's I guess shame. we won't ask you now. <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you on LA Inc as well? Did you do an episode of that? Yeah. Canada asked me if I wanted to come on and do like a guest spot type thing. So that was my first, that was the first TV show I was on. And it was London Inc. Uh, but yeah, that was a blast. My friend Brandon Bond from Atlanta was, he was, came out to, I was tattooing him on the show. And I, I did like three tattoos because they filmed for two days. Three tattoos. And then they uh, they just used a Vincent Price portrait did for the actual show itself. But uh, no, I was, I was good friends with Cat like long before any of the shows. Like Miami Ain't, Cat was on there first. I was friends with friend, blah. I was friends with her, uh, you know, way before that. So Corey Miller, I was friends with. I'd been tattooed by Corey back before he even started tattooing. So it was a blast. And Hannah Asiason and um, Kim Sai, you know, I was good friends with both of them too. And so it was just pure fun for me. And I could be myself. I just came out tattooed, and the only thing what the producer there came up, he goes, "I hate to interrupt you, man. Would you mind just maybe talking about the tattoo a little bit, you know? Because <laughs> I have a hard time talking and tattooing. Like I'm, I'm, I can't multitask, especially with a portrait, you know. So to talk and looking at the picture and tattooing, I suck at it, you know. So." um that's so why I, I had to write to like... a diary when you were tattooing and I was watching you just because I was so bored. Because <laughs> you didn't talk for like <laughs> eight hours. <laughs> I do think that that, that was a proper golden age of tattoo TV. Those that early 2000s yeah. that were the LA Inc, Miami Inc. That was proper tattoo TV. I feel like it's all gone. Like the, the competitions are cool, but they're like, they're just got stupid now hasn't it yeah i feel like it has just got a little bit a little bit silly and it's lost all of the all of the the, the stories behind the tattoos i love all that stuff yeah i like when they say you know why are you getting this i'm getting this because of that i want this person to do it because of this that and the other and therefore they get them they get something and then they show it off and they cry i'm i'm a right sap for all that shit and i love it yeah <laughs> it's just like the crying thing on these shows it's like i'm I almost feel like the producer is going, you know, if you talk about this, are you going to cry? You know, and uh, they want that. They want someone to cry. And, um, at the same time, when it's a family thing like that, you know, it's um, those are really, honestly, the most important tattoos you can do is when it's a loved one that passed away. And it's, it's a real meaningful tattoo like that. Because I always say, stuff I get on myself, it's just, you know, Go to Paul Booth, Robert Hernandez, like do whatever you want, man. As long as it's creepy, you know, I'm gonna love it. Or if it's a guitar player, I have a lot of my guitar heroes on, on my legs and stuff. Eddie Van Halen and Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and, and Meg Daryl. And that's just because they're I'm a huge fan of those. So those are meaningful to me. But I don't have anything like, you know, a loved one that passed away or my even a dog that passed away. Um which I always wanted to get my chocolate lab after he passed away. I never did. 
but honestly, I, I, those are the most meaningful tattoos you can give. So I, I don't take that lightly, you know, I, um, you know, and I've heard people tattooing do the portrait of, I remember, uh, I was tattooing a guy's daughter that got in a car crash and died like shortly after she got married. And I was doing a picture of her on her wedding day with her veil on. And he was just talking about the whole thing on while I was tattooing and like halfway through. And when I started seeing her face come together in the tattoo and starting to look like her, look like the picture, like I, I almost started crying. Like I was kind of getting teary eyed, you know, and to be able to, give somebody a tattoo like that that they'll cherish for the rest of their life you know it's a, a special thing that i feel really grateful that i've been able to do for somebody for sure you know yeah we we talk about this a bit and like how the stuff we can we do on people like we might forget who we've tattooed because we see so many people but they never forget us and they don't forget the experience and the tattoos that we do on them and so it can just be so meaningful it's like so much pressure isn't it I like just have to try and not think about that yeah it's hard because it's you know it's definitely that pressure you know and you try to just block that out and just concentrate on doing the tattoo that's it are there any tattoos that you well you just said about getting your chocolate lab but is there anything that you really want to get that you uh, waiting till we come out of the pandemic for or anything that you anyone you really want to get tattooed by yeah Nico Hurtado has always been a he's at the top of my list right now I've been tattooed by I think I've counted before like close to 50 artists I mean it's all on my legs because my my upper body is um Paul Booth did my entire upper body my my back my ribs stomach chest um, my whole left sleeve, my left hand, Mario Bart did my right arm. And then I got little souvenir tattoos on my fingers and stuff. Um, and then my legs are my collector areas where I got a bunch of work. Robert Hernandez did six really cool tattoos on me and my legs. And then the rest is kind of one off. Tom Renshaw did my Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix. And then, um, and then I got all these little souvenir tattoos. So I'm almost covered. I have my right butt cheek open. I have a space on the top of the back of my left thigh. And then I have this little strip on the inside of my thigh that I got a good spot for Nico that's still visible down there on the inside of my, my knee thigh area. And uh, I'm not sure what I want to get, you know, and I'm, I was going to have him do a black and gray piece. And he's, he's one of the best black and gray artists in the world that you just don't see much of his black and gray, but he's as good as anybody, you know? And so I thought, I'll, I'll get a black and gray piece from Nico because I'm a black and gray guy. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe I'll get a color piece from Nico now, you know, just for the hell of it, you know. I thought about getting Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. Um, it's a magazine I grew up with. Yeah. You know, yeah. To, with the ears that stick out and missing a tooth. Kind of an adult humor magazine. It was for kids and adults. You know? But anyway, it's, it's one of my childhood Im images that I love. But if I don't get him, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. But Nico, I, I still want to get it. Freddie Negretti did a little shamrock on my finger. I'm one of the the shamrock uh, St. Patrick's Day parties. They do like $20 shamrock, some people. But I want to get a legit piece from Freddie. You know, a good 
Facebook says piece. I want to get a piece from Mark Mahoney, Lone Shamrock. You know, there are two, those two guys, Nico, are probably at the top of my list. There's also Guy Aitchison, I'm getting tattooed my whole career. Philip Liu, I just don't have room. You know, those guys left it with big, huge stuff. And then, you know, I don't know if Philip would want to do a little fucking baseball size something. But those, the, yeah, the, you know, the, the, those old school guys that were influenced me early on in my career, you know. There's so many others. Carlos, Carlos Rojas, who works with Nico Hurtado. Um, and there's been so many friends I've talked about trading with. It's like, man, I, I'm going to have to have them do just some little all <laughs> get wasted and tattoo little souvenir tattoos on each other. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite tattoos. Four in the morning after a zillion shots of tequila or Jack Daniels, you know. I have some of those. My WC, you guys will appreciate this. Can you see as, in, as in like the toilet? No, as in White Castle hamburgers. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> over here, WC means like, it's like a Victorian name for water closet. My English buddy made me aware of that day after i think i posted on instagram or something my buddy christian from london he goes you know in england here that stands for water closet which is the fucking toy <laughs> <laughs> when you we did this one night when me and my buddies went to a deep purple concert we went to my favorite bar and did a sh- ton of shots of drone came back here kept doing shots but we stopped at white castle and they got this thing called a crave case it's 30 of these little sliders that are about that big burgers. So three of us ate that whole thing, scarfed it down. And then I did this little WC on all three of us. And um, I was telling Christian, he says, it's the bathroom in England. I'm like, well, you know, after you eat 10 White Castles, you probably get pretty quick. So, <laughs> so it can take a double meeting when you're in England. <laughs> good you, you mentioned a couple of like amazing names so a friend of mine has a black and gray sleeve by nico and it is incredible it's just the smoothest she's got a couple of portraits she's got like dolly may west uh, she's got miss piggy and and they're amazing and that's the only black and gray by nico that i've seen in real life and they're like eight years old and just impeccable Yep. A lot of people don't realize that he's just as good at black and gray as he is color. And he's my favorite color realism guy in the world. He's my number one. Absolutely. It's just so solid, you know, just built to last. Yeah, that's it. And God, I would love to get tattooed by Mark Mahoney and Freddie. Hell yeah. Freddie will get you in. He works, man, he works harder than anybody I know. And at his age, you know, I remember it was maybe a couple of years ago now when Freddie was already into his early 60s. And uh, he's tattooing like six or seven days a week. And he just likes being at the shop. But he's doing sometimes two big tattoos. Like he could be doing two tattoos in a day this big, like portraits, you know, and like realistic type stuff. Where it takes me like longer to do one of those in a day than it takes him to do two. He'll do two tattoos that size and still finish before I do one. 
when you watch him, it's not like he's working fast. He looks kind of like me, you know, like he's rushing it in, you know, but he's really efficient. He just, he's a master. I mean, he's yeah. a true, true tattooist. Yeah, and he was he was working when um when I was watching you, so I would, I just sort of snuck a few glances, and I think he was tattooing when we left at like two a.m. and nowhere near finished. Like he hadn't started it that long ago, and was just plowing through it. And yeah, he was so chilled, just just chatting and tattooing, and and yeah, that was amazing. He he is an amazing tattooist and such an yeah. amazing story as well like the history is is so cool yeah and he's doing right now at his age and after tattooing for 40 something years 45 years probably going on 50 years because he started when he was really young but uh, uh he's doing the best work of his entire career right now most people might hit a peak or they uh you know they might or just hit a plateau and kind of stay there, probably me, you know. But Freddie just it feels like he's getting better and better still, and, you know. Yeah, it's but amazing. Really impressive to see. You don't see that very often with someone who's been around as long as him. He uses Mark Mahoney's black and gray set from Intense, which is the same types of uh, ratio of ink, exact same thing as mine, but it's a little different of a, a formula. There's two blacks, and there's a dark, medium, light tone. And then I got this from Freddie, actually, with my set, because you got a, a real black black, you got more of like a lining black, and then you got a dark, medium, light tone, and then a bottle of white. And so then you, I used to throw a cup of distilled water at the end after my light tone. And then Freddie, I noticed, was taking the light tone from Mark's head and, and making maybe half of the light tone, half distilled water. It's still mixer that we get from Intense. And I'm like, ooh, I'm going to try that. And I started doing that. But I would do like about a quarter of the light tone, three quarters distilled mixer. And that's my last cup. Like, I don't need to have a cup of just water after that. Um, so, but that's something I got from Freddie like a couple years ago or something. Oh, it's, so, it's great I'm, just getting to learn from everyone. Like, that's one of the beauties of the industry, isn't it? You can just pick up so much from friends and travel and stuff. And it's great to share tips like that. It is, man. I'm, I'm always watching my friends work and go, you know, never stop learning ever your entire life, you know, especially being an artist, you know, whether it's, yeah, actual techniques, how people are mixing or whatever, to um, art. You know, I've always said I'm, I'm going to try and do like different backgrounds because I always do the same background, do the skull or a demon head, just some smoke. And uh, I still do the, just fall in the habit of doing that because I'm lazy, you know, but I've always said, well, I should experiment more with backgrounds. I haven't been doing it, doing it enough. You know, one guy who's been tattooing, Robert Hernandez, has been tattooing for I've been tattooing 24 years. He might be in 26 or 27 years now. And uh, he's got the only other guy I can think of besides Freddie who's still progressing and getting better. After that long, like, look at stuff you've done 10 years ago. And look at, and it's his texture. His texture keeps evolving. And it's, you know, 10 years ago, I'm like, how can you fucking do any more texture than that? He, doing double the texture he's been doing back then. And he, it's 
fast and efficient too, you know, and it's, if you ever watched, you know, or seen one of his freehand pieces, the marker sketch before he starts tattooing, it's just like, you know, he might draw a little line on the middle line where the eyes are or whatever, and then draw his eyes, nose, and mouth real rough, you know, and then he goes in there and starts tattooing from the bottom up with a mag, you know, and, uh, and all of that texture and stuff is completely done out of his head. But then also, as he, he'll add maybe a, a whole another little face or even like a an upper body of a little dude mixed in all this surreal type Salvador Dali type shit. And, uh, and he, he doesn't draw that on. He just tattoos it right on, drawing a complete, like a human looking face, tattooing it on, not even drawing just draws the big rough main thing. Um, it blows my fucking mind. Like I don't, I don't know how he can do it. He's he's got that mind that we all say he's from another planet. You know. <laughs> I, well, I remember seeing an interview with Freddie, and he said um, he was talking about how he just was able to just draw faces like these Chicano faces freehand, and they were just always. And someone was saying, I think it was like Jack Rudy or someone said that they were just always perfect, and he would just just do it straight on the skin, no drawing. He just knew how to do it and it came out pristine. Like that blew, that blows my mind. That's crazy. I didn't know Freddie did, like I I always was in awe of Freddie, just freehanding, you know, with a pen or whatever, a photorealistic woman's face, freehanding it, finishing it. It looks like he used, you know, a photo reference, but it, it's all out of his head. But he would actually pre-hand it on with a pen or a, or a shark first. As far as tattooing a whole face like that with with nothing, and I never saw him do that before. But that's if he is, that's insane. Yeah, so he was he was saying that it's like I know if if I start with the eye and then I know where the bridge of the nose goes, and from there yeah. I know where the lips goes. And it's like putting a jigsaw together or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was when he first started it good time charlie's and he said he just went in and started his like journey with them and he was like i don't know if it was like charlie was like oh well just show us what you can do and he was charlie's mind was blown because he didn't draw anything on he just went straight in needle to skin and they were like whoa but maybe that was a one time maybe it didn't work out <laughs> so <laughs> that's why he doesn't do it anymore <laughs> i'm sure i meant to say that i love freddie negretti please come on our podcast <laughs> No, I believe it. He's, I'm sure he has. You know, he's he's got that talent. We talk about Freddie, everybody, and especially the guys who work with him at Shamrock. And Freddie's like another freak of nature, kind of. You know, he's just like there's only one Freddie. You know, just like Robert Hernandez. There's only one Robert Hernandez and Paul Booth. You know, just because they, they freehand everything. You know, yeah, it's nothing compared to what he does normally, but uh. The, the, that shamrock day, they had a big sheet of flash, all these little shamrocks on them, you know, it's like, Freddie's like, you know, let's pick one out, you know, and we're looking at them. And Freddie's like, I don't really like any of them. I'll just draw it on you. Drew it on with a pen. And we had all these cool looking shamrocks, you know, but he's, I've watched him freehand big, amazing things that I couldn't freehand. I don't free him much. You know, when I do, it's a demon head or maybe a skull or something easy. You know, Robert Hernandez and Freddie and stuff can freehand and Paul Booth. 
freehand like full figures in the arm and the hand and you know if i if i freehand a hand i have to take a picture of my hand and then hold my phone there and i can freehand looking at it but out of my head oh it's hard to do yeah i need reference and i i hate drawing hands it's one of those things i really struggle with hands and hair yeah they don't come naturally to me yeah i mean if if i'm nowadays if i'm doing say a demon head i got a hand you know just i'll uh i'll take a picture of the hand print it out and actually make a stencil of it and put it on yeah hands anything but a face a demon face, not a human face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as, you know, and Paul Booth and Freddie. Amazing. Just amazing people. Um, we normally ask the uh, internet or ask Instagram if anyone has any questions that they want to ask who we're chatting to. And um, I think Mick has one from from yes, our selection. I do. So this uh, this comes from friend of the show, Miss Joe Black Tattoos. And they ask, what's your least favorite part of the body to tattoo? Ooh, there's a, quite a few. Um, I hate, hate doing necks. Uh, the throat suck. You know, necks aren't too bad, but tattooing the throat, that could be my worst spot. But then I, I tattooed my buddy the other day. He's a pretty fat dude. But I was tattooing. <laughs> almost like there was a big bowling ball inside. It was like nice and solid and hard sit there plus it was like your stomach kind of on the side or whatever but he was like sitting in a spot where it was just like right there down in front of me it was like the easiest thing ever so maybe i'll say a throat is probably my least favorite spot um i got a friend who wants me to tattoo his cheek and this my buddy's just completely covered you know but uh i feel like not 100 sure i want to do it but i know that wouldn't be as hard yeah, I'd say it's for, for difficulty, I think, the throat. Yeah, I agree with you. God, it must be weird tattooing a face. I guess it depends on the face. Like, I've got a lot of face, so I reckon it would be harder than somebody who had less face. <laughs> yeah, it seems kind of soft. If they ever move their jaw or anything, and any facial movements, there's so many muscles, it, it would just, like... Even if like, no! <laughs> My coping mechanism is grinding my teeth. So I'd be, I'd be fucking horrible. Stop doing that because <laughs> it sounds horrible and you're fucking up my surface. Right. You know, I, I find these, every tattoo getting really hard for me. Like every area is just becoming hard, harder than it was. Just deal you know, with my lower back is getting bad now. Even my eyesight's kind of not what it used to be. You know, I mean, I've been wearing glasses six years old, so um. But I'm nearsighted. I actually take my glasses off now when I'm doing a tattoo because I see best, but I, I have to be about that far away. And then when I go to dip in my ink cups, they're a little blurry, you know, because things, the farther away things get, they get blurry. But, uh, but yeah, I'm getting so blind now that I, uh, I see perfectly clear with my glasses off to do a tattoo. So at least I know I always have that. But I mean... You must be what ninety-seven now, so it's sort of to be expected. Yep. I'm actually fifty-eight. I'll be fifty-nine later this year. Wow! Close to sixty, man. Oh, you got a, 
a big 60 to plan then. It's about a year and a half away. But it's going to come up quick. Yeah. Faster it goes. Time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Yeah, it's so true. Especially hey. in a pandemic. How old are you now? I, I'm 21. Oh man, must be nice. I'm not. Be I'm not twenty-one. I wish. I'm thirty-four. That's all. That I know. Was... I look very youthful. You look very good for your age. You look... <laughs> Is this pandemic? Does time go by faster during the pandemic? Like, um, wouldn't you think like time would be going slower during the pandemic? Yeah, you would think so. I just it all blends into one, though, doesn't it? Yeah. You've got not really any concept of what was last month because it's all just one thing I know. all the days blend together sometimes you you know i always used to know what day it was now i every once in a while i wake up i'm like hey is it oh yeah 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 it's just like one long weekend i've got is it every day feels like a sunday yeah but not the good yeah. sort of weekend yeah you know so, <laughs> yeah. Wait, party oh we can't yeah <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I've never drank more like at home than I than I have. Because I never used to drink home, unless it's summertime and I'm out on the deck, maybe having some beers or whatever. But you know, but I, mean, I drink a lot, but it's usually at the bar. You know, I go to the. I'm the same. Now same. it's like freaking like five days a week. I think you know. Yeah, same. A beer is like what I how I figure is like beer and wine. They're not alcoholic. That doesn't count. If you crack open the spirits, then that's drinking. But a beer, that's just like a soda. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like that's your, the attitude. I like your thought process. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on our little podcast. It's just been so great to catch up and chat to you, and so interesting as well. Uh, thanks for that, man. Yeah, I always love, I don't just talk about anything, but I always love talking about tattooing and music and just life in general, you know, and it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know, I know, too long. And I would love, when life gets back to normal, I would really love to make a trip out to Detroit and get tattooed by you again. Totally. Or if you're going to, or if you happen to be going to LA or something, I can plan a trip and just meet you yeah. out there. But if you've never been to Detroit, I'd be would love to have you here and show you around the city and stuff. That'd be amazing. Yeah, happy to do Detroit or LA, like whatever's best for you. But I am there, and I don't know what I'll have. Like maybe another, maybe like Mortish or something. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Something easy, whatever we can get a good picture of. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. Oh, that'd be amazing. It's so nice to make plans and have something th to aim for. So, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, man. Sooner. ASAP. Yeah, it's been incredible to hear your hear your life in tattoos and all those stories and everything. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. Right on, man. You got it. My pleasure. Oh, we'll thank you so much. You got it, man. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.